Kyle. And I'm Brianna. And today we decided to take a bit of a spin um, and change the format up because there's been a lot of time during our quarantine to do a lot of different things. But one thing that the three of us have been really into is different stories um, and missing case, missing person cases. And so today we want to jump into one in detail. Kyle has done the bulk share of the research and background. So Brianna and I will sort of be on this journey with you guys as he dissects the case for us and we respond. So Kyle, take it away. Awesome. Thank you guys. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I, I really like this this kind of stuff, like looking it up and researching um, myself in my spare time. So it was nice to be able to like, this is a case that I didn't really know too much about. Um, and I think it's going to be cool to kind of explain through the case uh, as I did all of my research and um, kind of wrote down my observations and things like that and getting Brianna and Victoria's uh, reactions as we go. Um, okay, so this this missing persons case uh, happened about 20 years ago. Uh, the individual's name was Zeb Quinn. Uh, I'll be referring to him as Quinn as we go through, but Zeb is a dope name and I want to acknowledge that. Uh, it's Z-E-B-B. Um, it's a shame that he had to go missing. Um, so it's... it's <laughs> It's a really ex- extremely interesting. That's the only reason. That's the end of the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Get a cool name. Don't forget him. Um, so on this episode, I'll be sharing details of this case that I've uncovered while I've been researching. Um, and I was really interested in diving deeper into this mystery after catching like a quick article that piqued my interest earlier this year. Um, there was a local, as in Asheville, North Carolina news station that mentioned uh, that 20 years ago had passed since Zeb had initially disappeared. So oh, wow. first, let's let's dig into who he was and the details and the backgrounds of the night that Zeb Quinn disappeared. So he was an 18-year-old man from Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, he was enrolled in, in an ROTC program in his senior year of high school. And um, one night, he was, it was January 2nd, 2000. Um, and he left his job at the electronics department of Walmart around 9 p.m. on Sunday. So he had plans after work uh, to travel to a local town with his friend, uh, Robert Jason Owens. And he was also a coworker. And he was looking to buy a new car with him. So Quinn uh, met Owens at um, in the parking lot of Walmart after uh, Quinn got off of his job. And they drove separately to look at the vehicle. So they were seen on a surveillance footage camera at a nearby gas station at approximately 9.15. So 15 minutes after he ended his shift, they were purchasing sodas at a convenience store. They convened there for a couple minutes. A few minutes later, same surveillance tape. It shows Owens pulling away in his Ford pickup with Quinn following. He had a blue Mazda protege. Don't think they make them anymore. Haven't heard much about the protege line, so probably not a good look for Mazda. Uh, according to Owens, then, after leaving the gas station, uh, Quinn signaled for him to pull over by flashing his headlights. Um, so Quinn told him, Owens, like, hey, I received a page. This is before everyone carried around a cell phone. Um, and he's like, I need to return the call immediately and find a payphone. So he uses this payphone, meets back up with Owens, and Owens described Quinn as frantic. When he was talking to him, he's like, I need to cancel our plans. I'm sorry. And he speeds off so quickly that he rear ends Owen's truck. So he, oh he like runs into this guy's truck as he's like trying to get out of there. Um, and this is the last time that Owens claimed to have seen Quinn. 
Um, and then just a couple hours after this, Owens, again, his coworker, Quinn's coworker, uh, he was treated at a hospital for fractured ribs and a head injury that he said he sustained in a second car accident that he got into that evening. So the this dude's a poor mess. guy. <laughs> oh my God. Not only is he losing his friend, like foreshadowing, <laughs> but like he gets in two car accidents that day. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> First he's like, dude, what the heck? You, you ran into my truck. And then he has fractured ribs and a head injury. Um, we'll see how long that sympathy lasts though. Ooh. Um, Ooh. so there was no, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> There was no accident report that was filed with the police. For really either? strange. For anything. Yeah. Uh, for the wow. second car accident or the, well, I guess Owens was like, whatever, it's my friend. I'm not going to, he seemed a little upset. So um, this is a couple of days after. That's everything that happened the night of that we know. Um, so then the following afternoon, Quinn's mother, Denise Lahakis, I think is how you pronounce it. She filed a missing persons report. So it took her a day, not too long. And then two days after Quinn was last seen, somebody claiming to be him calls the Walmart where he worked and tells his coworker um, that he would not be coming to work because of an illness. So the coworker immediately is like, I'm not buying it. He calls the police and is like, hey, or I guess maybe he doesn't call the police. But later when he's questioned about it, he's like, yeah, it didn't sound like Quinn. Weird that somebody was calling in sick for him, pretending to be him. Um, so Later, Owens, his friend, admitted to making the phone call, and he said, I was doing him a favor. Um, Owens, or Quinn asked me to call in sick for him. So after Wait, giving this... did he claim that the last time he talked to him was the car accident day? Or Yeah, that's a good, good catch. So suspicious. It is suspicious. Um, and after giving this initial statement to police about, oh, yeah, he asked me to call in sick for him, he refuses to cooperate further he's like that's all i'm saying um i've played enough nancy drew to see where this is going <laughs> i know you would be good at this brianna the years of training um <laughs> so there are some other other connections to this case other people of interest i guess so police track the page that quinn had received the night of his disappearance because remember he gets this page and he's like i gotta go to a payphone um they trace it to his aunt Ina Ustich, um, very eclectic names in this story. Um, and it's, it's worth noting that Quinn had very little contact with her before his disappearance. So why would she be paging him? And, and he'd be so he, urgent about it. Right. Um, so, and then she denied making the call and she tells police, I was at a friend's house for dinner that night. I couldn't have made the call. Um, she later files a police report. Uh, saying that she, while she was at dinner, her house had been broken into. Nothing was reportedly stolen, but she did notice that things such as picture frames had been moved around. It's a lot of people all within the same bubble having traumatic events coincidentally at the same time here. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, two car accidents, uh, home invasion. It's crazy. Um, and then there was another person of importance surrounding this. Her name was Missy Taylor. Um, so Quinn had been romantically interested in her, um, but she had a boyfriend at the time. So he'd been developing a relationship with her prior to his disappearance and even shared with some friends and family that her abusive boyfriend, whose name was Wesley Smith, had threatened him after he discovered they had been speaking. Would... So Wesley immediately becomes person of interest, yep. right? Um, they both denied any involvement in the case. However, very interestingly, 
the friend that Quinn's Aunt Ina was having dinner with the night of his disappearance was Tamara Taylor, who's Misty's mother. Oh my mother. gosh. And Misty, <laughs> yeah, right? So Misty and her boyfriend were also at the dinner. So wait, okay. Can I just can I just rewind for a second so that I can follow? <laughs> sure. So Misty is the girl he's interested in, and the boyfriend were over at the aunt's house, and the friends, aunt aunt's friend's house. Who's her? Okay, got who's her mother, I got it. Misty's okay, mother. yeah, yeah. So the aunt wasn't at her house. She was at the. I'm gonna for reference. I'm gonna call her the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. At the girlfriend's mom's house, at yes. Misty's mom's house. Okay. So there were four people: um, Zed Quinn's aunts, or Zeb Quinn's Quinn's aunts, uh, his girlfriend, quote unquote's mother, the girlfriend, and her boyfriend. Got it. Um, Got it. And he apparently received a page from his aunt, who was not home at the time, and her home was getting broken into while she was at this dinner. Hmm. All right. So All right. this is the strangest part of this whole thing. So on January 6th, which is four days after he was last seen, his mother receives a phone call from a fellow nurse at the hospital that she works at, who is also a former classmate of Quinn's. And she tells her, hey, I see a blue Mazda protege. I know there's a lot of them out there because they're very popular vehicles, um, but it's in, the, it's in a parking lot of a barbecue restaurant that sits adjacent to the hospital. So she calls his mom and is like, hey, I see his his car it's kind of hard to miss a blue mazda protege Um, the police go to investigate the vehicle immediately after quinn's mother notifies them and they find something really really strange so the car is sitting there with its headlights still on and there's a pair of lips and an exclamation mark uh, an exclamation mark drawn on the car's back windshield and lipstick wow and not a huge thing to note but there's also a live (laughs) labrador puppy inside the vehicle just sitting there. I'm glad so, you said live. That makes that makes me feel better. Like this dog, I'm a big animal lover. So the fact that this dog is okay, I'm feeling a little bit better about this case. Well, I was just going to say, before moving forward, um, it's not necessarily chron- chronological in the case, but I'll just, for the sake of you guys, note that the puppy, and this is mentioned on every single source that I researched, they make a point to, to say this specifically. The puppy was soon after that um adopted by one of the oh, investigators okay. oh, and God. i'm assuming lived That's a long cute. life okay so wow. it's, it's not it's not that frequent that you <laughs> find someone who's gone missing and then whoever was with them yeah i know i was working this case you saw the, the case happy dog just Here a puppy go. in the back seat <laughs> so, so the, the car fine. so the car had had so um, basically but that was four days after the fact so it was almost like the car was being moved around like someone was using it. It wasn't just sitting there. What the batteries would have run out. It wasn't just sitting there for four days. Did the answer the the girls in this case, like use lipstick that's notable, like any of them known for red lips or did they, know. or like, I, I mean, what about just the obvious of like, did they run the license plate right away and confirm or fingerprint? What, what year was this again? Remind me. 2000 okay. do they have yeah they had they had a dna forensics yeah. forensics okay mm-hmm. continue so uh yeah no problem so uh, other items that were found in the car were a hotel key card um they couldn't identify which whose it was um there were several drink bottles and a jacket that did not belong to quinn 
So police collected forensic evidence from the car, Victoria, okay. um, but didn't uncover any new leads. So all this really wow. strange stuff. And you've got, got so much DNA it. sitting in that car yeah. at this point. But here's the thing: you know, if if you have DNA, if there's not yeah, a match, if you have for DNA it. evidence, but then whoever, like, even if it was someone brand new, like, if I murdered someone today, I'm not already in the police system. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. I am because I'm. I was fingerprinted for my job. But like, if you don't, if you if you don't I have, but yeah, but a lot of <laughs> a lot of people who could they could be first time offenders and they're just not in the system and then forget it. You can't match because of that. But typically, typically in yeah. like missing person cases, it's always someone who has a record. Like it, it's very rarely someone who's like not in the system and they can't figure out their DNA. But anyway, Kyle, continue. He's smiling. I feel like there's right. maybe this is going to be like a <laughs> turning point here. This yeah, is the turning point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Quinn's mom is like, somebody definitely planted this car, put it where, where it was because they wanted me to see it. They wanted me to find it. It's right by the hospital that she works at. And I also think uh, Zeb Quinn's grandmother also worked at the hospital. Um, But anyway, a couple later call the police and say that they had seen the same blue Mazda protege uh, being driven in downtown Asheville. And they assisted police in producing. Do you guys know what a composite image is? Yeah. What does that mean? It's like like a like a mm-hmm. sketch isn't it of what you okay. think that person to look yeah, looks like yeah that's what i thought it was yeah okay so the the couple helps the police produce a composite image of the person that they feel like they saw driving the car and police later note that the sketch bore a striking resemblance to misty taylor the girlfriend <gasps> so it was a weird woman. stuff i mean the lipstick come on and yeah right and that's everything that we knew about this case. All It went super cold. Years and years went on until 2015. Um, so only a couple of years ago, Quinn is long gone. Um, on March 15th, Robert Jason Owens, Quinn's friend who he was with the night he disappeared, was arrested for the disappearance and murder of Food Network star contestant. I had to throw that fact in there. Oh, Christy Schoen. What? Her what? husband. Yeah, her husband, J.T. Cod, and unfortunately, their unborn child. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. So these next few details are pretty okay. brutal. I'm just going to warn you guys. So, so just a quick pause. Sure. We've never found the body of, of Quinn. We're going we're gonna, no. to hear if that's still the case how many years later. Because now it's like fast forward to the future. This, which is always the way it goes. It's always, it's always like everyone rushes around for a year and then it's cold for 20 years and then all of a sudden there's something. But it's because technology changes anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so the Food Network star, her husband, her husband. and their unborn child. Which, yes. Wow. So he was discovered, um, Robert Jason Owens, with their dismembered remains in his <gasps> wood stove. Ew. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. That's like so <laughs> that's so weird on so many levels, but the fact that she was a food contestant star and yeah, right? they were in the so stove. Like I have like a lot ooh, of questions now about you. this guy. Like was there any sort of evidence prior or red flag behaviors? Did they interview his family and friends? Like I just feel like there's a lot of mi- pieces of this that I'm not you don't just randomly wake up one day and say, eh, I feel like murdering a chef celebrity. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> How did that all happen? Yeah, so I didn't have this in my notes initially, but I have it, one of the articles that I was looking at that mentions um, he was born into unfortunate circumstances. He received traffic citations for traveling at speeds in excess of 100 miles per hour, D, DUIs. He um, was illegally distributing prescription drugs, possessing stolen items. So wow. maybe so that had something to do with... Sheet. Yeah, right? So it wasn't like this was like one day he just murders three people. But like, uh, what was his connection to them? Do yeah, you know? So they were, like Quinn, they were friends of Owens and his next door neighbors. <gasps> oh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to go too much into the case itself because there's a whole thing about that case. But just know that it's pretty blatant and obvious that he committed okay. these crimes. Like um, they didn't have to like gather. Like it wasn't just like, oh, we only have circumstantial evidence. Oh, no, it was like we have legitimate He's culpable. Well, I mean, if you find their dismembered yeah. body parts in in his stove, yeah, I mean, I'd be like, "Well, it's you." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So this this obviously then is like, oh, holy shit! Uh, this guy knew Zeb Quinn. He was with him the night he disappeared. He's now mm. prime target number one. So later that month, this was March 2015. Uh, later that month, a relative of Owens comes forward with information that helps breathe new life into this whole Zeb Quinn disappearance. Um, so on March 31st, pl- police obtained a warrant to search his property in relation to the, the Quinn case. And the warrants listed details um, from an interview that police had with an unnamed relative of Owens who said, before and after January 2000, when Quinn disappeared, Owens had dug a pit in his <gasps> property to burn items. So how deep, what was the sizing told, of the pit? Do you even have a body? Does not mention Sometimes the they sizing. get into that though. Probably. Okay, I didn't know if they Probably. had. Probably. My mouth is like agape. <laughs> like, what? Well, this kind of. How is this left it. out though? Like, fifteen years later, they're like, "Oh, maybe we should look at that pit yeah, that, that he seems, dug." That seems like they didn't Are try. Are you kidding? <laughs> That's yeah. true. Like, yeah. I mean, he he was a suspect back in two thousand. I don't care that he didn't kill three people at that point. Like, <laughs> homie had a pit. Oh, he, homie had a dude. He like literally dug a grave. Like they were like, yo, maybe like my nephew's off his rocker. I don't know if it's yeah. it's Xander, but like he got a grave in his backyard and like no dead people. Like he's not dying. Yeah, it takes what? three dead people for the relative to be like, um, excuse me, he also has a pit. I remember 15 years ago that he dug a grave. Like, come on. <laughs> So, um, they also said that, like, before and after January 2000, he dug the pit. They said that he would pour poured concrete over the area and said he was going to make a fish pond. So, it was a pretty big pit if he's going to okay. make a fish pond. Yeah, but that would be shallow. First of all, do you make a fish pond with concrete? Yeah, and usually understand. a fish pond is pretty shallow. Like, not as many feet as you would need depth-wise to and lengthwise to get a body in there. I wonder if he was just gonna like. It seems suspect. I wonder if he just buried. I wonder if it was like he buried the body. Then he was like, "Okay, what is this about this size that I could make an excuse would like then be on top of it?" Okay, a fish pond, a koi pond, done. Wouldn't you need a permit? Oh yeah. Like, wouldn't the government have to say, "Hey, you are allowed to do this"? I feel like there's got to be regulations. Maybe you can do whatever you want to do in your backyard. Well, not not necessarily. Like I can't have a fire pit no. in my backyard technically, <laughs> but I probably would anyway. You have to get permits to get like yeah, it's fencing. 
Anyway. It's stupid. Anyway. Go on. (laughs) So, yeah. Spoiler alert. The pond was never completed. Um, What? What? Poor poor guy's in jail for life and never got the fish pond. Um, The relative said that he later covered the area with dirt. And investigators say they found fabric, leather materials, and unknown hard fragments buried on the property. Could they be connected with the disappearance? According to search warrant documents released, the items were found under a layer of concrete on his property. These unknown hard fragments, leather materials, and fabric. Um, However, authorities have said they never said, I'm sorry, authorities never said what the hard fragments were or whether or not they were related to Quinn. Bones? (laughs) That's, yeah, that's kind of what they think they want you to like lead into and kind of read into that. So that's March 2015. In April 2017, Owen officially pled guilty to three counts of second degree murder and two counts of dismemberment for the crimes against the Cod family two years earlier. So maybe I don't understand the degrees of murder. What would be the difference between first and second? Like first is premeditated and second is like involuntary. But no, he chopped them up. So then, what's second? Maybe I'm maybe I'm stupid. Yeah, so we should I apologize. Look it quickly, Google. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up real quick. Because I don't know, just me spitballing here. If you're dismembering a body and putting it in a fireplace, seems pretty premeditated. But maybe I just have lived a very sheltered <laughs> life. I I don't know. So. In Pennsylvania, at least, it says first-degree murder encompasses premeditated. Second-degree murder encompasses accomplice liability. I'm not sure what that means. Third degree is just a catch-all for everything else. So, like, accomplice to me means that, like, he assisted in in the murder, but, like, didn't necessarily do it. Accomplice, like he was an accomplice in the murder, and he's so he's therefore liable by circumstance of being, you know, present. So then, who got charged with first? So, well, I don't think there has to be ever, like in a murder case, there doesn't have to be a first degree murder. So, second degree to elaborate more on that, um, the murder could could have been committed without being deliberate or premeditated. So maybe that's kind of why he was charged with second. Maybe he's like, uh, they're here, you know. I'm just going to be spontaneous and do it. I just got bored one night. Like, right. <laughs> also, it is my dream to be on the jury of a murder trial. Really? I'm not going to lie. I just think that would be, oh my God, I would love it. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So he's charged with two degrees or three de- three counts of second degree murder and dismemberment, which I did not know was its own type of crime. Um, months later... July 2017, Owens was indicted with first-degree murder in the death of Zeb Quinn. (gasps) What's the new development? So the Asheville Police Department released a statement and said, this indictment is the result of years of investigative work and persistence of the Asheville Police Department, as well as ongoing partnerships with members of the Quinn family and the Buncombe, which is the county uh, Mm -hmm. district attorney's office. So... That's all I found because I had the same question. I was like, so what they said the hard materials or whatever in the backyard were not related to him. Is it just like, so this is kind of like the wrap up, right? So 
as of January 2020, Owens is awaiting trial for the alleged murder and no trial date's been set. That's the most recent update we have. Okay. There's still questions that remain, like why the lipstick and live puppy in Quinn's car? Was Misty Taylor driving Quinn's car after his death? Why would she be doing that? There's actually so many Um, questions that remain, like more than... Who broke into the aunt's house? What's going on with that? And, And here's my... The last thing I wrote in my notes here is I'm 99% sure that Owens committed this crime. He's clearly capable of doing some pretty heinous stuff. But is there Mm -hmm. any chance that he was targeted for this crime simply because he was with them on the night he disappeared and because he had recently murdered the Cobb family? You'd have to know more about the surrounding figure characters in his life, you know? I mean, it's I feel like it's pretty rare to find someone of that psychological background who's like capable of going to that length i mean and Mm. i mean let's not forget about the way in which he murdered that first family like it wasn't like oh they got into some sort of encounter and guns were played you know they were met with guns or knives came out or fists or whatever and they took it too far i mean it was very much premeditated like if someone can dismember a body like you're pretty psychologically um yeah Messed i mean up. that's that's like a sociopath so to me it's like really really hard to find a way to which like could there be another murder in close proximity to that friend group like what are the chances of that or you know sometimes in these cases you look at the bigger picture like in different periods of time, there were these serial killers running around in different parts of this of the country. And a lot of times, like, I've heard these stories where it's like, well, that was the time that, uh, what's the guy's name? Israel Keys was running around killer? the United States. And he oh. was literally, that was the craziest story. And I've heard so many missing cases where it's like, yeah, it could have been that really sus- like suspicious girlfriend, but also Israel Keys was running around the United States. So it could have been this other serial killer that was just really, really good and wrong place, wrong time. But that is like one in a million chance to me. My two cents. The only thing I can yeah. think of is like some other serial killer, like, took advantage of that but like what are the chances that you have like a hometown killer and a serial killer in the same place right i there's also the question of why did they think it was misty did owens bully misty or threaten her in some way to get her involved in the case that would lead people to think that she was was involved in like a bigger way like did he threaten her enough to just say drive the car around put your lipstick here like something like that because otherwise why is she even a part of the story besides the fact that they were maybe like speculating romantically involved yeah i mean it could have just been a distraction of i mean just because this owen guy knew her knew she like he i mean he could have targeted her he could have been like oh she's an easy she's an easy target like i'll make her the suspect i mean that's that's an easy way to exactly but i also wonder like we didn't hear and correct me if i'm wrong maybe i wasn't paying close enough attention but we didn't hear anything about their relationship being tumultuous these two men did we i mean that's the biggest question i have is is why why is always the biggest question? They sounded like they were friends. Yeah, like yeah, yeah they were what, coworkers. Yeah, I feel like maybe we need to to look into that. I don't know. I just I want to know yeah, why. It, it's well, really... I mean the same the same for him and his next door neighbors, yeah. right? Like 
you typically have at least, I mean, a good relationship with your next door neighbors, at least like a pleasant one, you would hope. So why would he go so far to end up murdering that family that lived right next door to him? Like, clearly something's going on in this man's brain. Like, something's not right. And what do yeah. you think the whole like red herring was around the page the the page that he had that night where he was freaking out and it was from his aunt but his aunt claimed she didn't make it or if she didn't make it then who was it if she did make it why is she lying about it like what was the whole deal I wonder with that? if everyone was, I wonder and, if everyone like it just feels like there were so many figures involved that it almost feels like a, a bigger group effort, you know. But what? But again, yeah. what is the mo- think, what is the motive? I don't know. I I mean, I think that he has to be at the center of it all, Owens. Right? right. Like he, my assumption and like my analysis from this would be that he kind of led the effort and got either misty involved or while he knew their schedule in some way so he broke into the aunt's house and paged no because they were together so maybe misty i don't i i, I don't know now i'm confusing it's, myself it's fine <laughs> like, Bran and i are trying to talk through it because it's the first time we're getting the information it's really hard to it is really hard to piece these things together kyle you did a great job though that was that was phenomenal yeah, like chronological order and storytelling so Thank you. It was We're a lot biased, of fun. But... I, I really enjoyed this. And if you guys like this, we don't have... Are we at time? Roughly, Roughly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you guys like this format, uh, we can bring it back. Victoria or Brianna can lead one, or I can do another. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Seems like you guys did too, Brianna and yeah. Victoria. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we can wrap it up. Feel free to do... I think on our social media when we send this out... Uh, I can include some of the sources. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think we can, I mean, maybe we'll try to um, get some better followership and do a poll and see what you guys think. If you listen to the story and tell me, you know, or tell us what your opinions are, you know, why the red herring or was there a red herring? And we'll um, maybe, Kyle, if you can, if you can cite the sources, we will show you what the car looked like and we will, we've already seen them, but we'll show you pictures of all the different characters from the story so you can make your own assessments. Cool. Cool. That's all we have. Thank you. Yeah, that's all we have for tonight. Just remember to follow us on Instagram at a splash of pod, and you can listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast.